Everybody and welcome to episode 387 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my artificially intelligent co-host Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. This week we're coming at you with the stabbed toe edition of the cast. I uh, did not say stuff. You're still on that. You're still on. I said stabbed. It's the most. It's the most impactful thing that's happened in the last two days. I know we saw a movie, but it's still. Jake, I stabbed my toe on a couch spring. Oh my gosh! It was, it was bloody everywhere, and now it looks like I have like, I have like Please a toggle switch us. on the front of my toe made out of congealed blood. It's, it's a mess. Send me a send me my a pic left. of that. Send me a pic of those. Uh, you want them? You want these digits, tootsies. baby? Yeah. Send me some. I'll put you on Foot Finder. Stab toe. Maybe there's a gore section. Yeah, no, this will go under Foot Finder. Under well, it's, it's for Halloween, lost. right? It's your Halloween flavored foot fetish material. Ooh. <laughs> Halloween section. Spooky Sp- toes. Spooky feet section. <laughs> Tis the season. Dave you know? It is month. indeed spooky season. So they tell me. Yes. Oh, welcome. I, the, the newest thing is. Uh, the jack o' lantern statue at Target that says, "I am now. I am not a jack o' lantern. I am Lewis." Is that really uh, what it says? Yeah. So I'm wondering <laughs> if there was like a disgruntled employee that was like, "You know what? I like this line better." They told me not to do it. They told me to put in the spooky one, but I like this one when he goes, "I am Lewis." <laughs> Wait, does it? I it says that. I'm so confused. Yeah, I don't. Wait, is this actually like, a sign, like, or is it a is a voice line of the pumpkin? Is there a man a, in the pumpkin who says who is he, Lewis? Like, I need to get to the bottom. Is the of jack o' lantern Lewis? Yeah, that's what I want now. I got you. All right, all right, all right. All right. I'm sending you. I am sending you the YouTube clip. Everybody at home, you can search along. Just look up "I am Lewis" on YouTube. That'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure it was a Target, but um, yeah. it is sweeping the nation in popularity. Everybody loves him. Everybody <laughs> wants their Lewis. Oh, I see. A hundred and eighty dollar, eight foot tall jack o' lantern that says that he is named Lewis. That has that become is... like the trend in recent years of like, what is the tallest? Stupidest thing I can put in my front yard for Halloween decoration. We saw Where are people storing this shit? <laughs> they store up pretty well. For uh, for what I've seen with the skeleton, you can shove all of its arms and legs inside of his torso. And I could maybe fit it, it up in my attic, but you're doing it just I don't know how I'd get it down from my attic. I only have an eight foot ceiling. Yeah, I, I'm sure people are just storing it under sheds or draping a tablecloth over it and then using it as their uh, dining room table for the rest of the year. That's what I would do. They or they have they'll have the uh, the entire storage shed dedicated to it. This reminds me of. Um, there were a couple episodes of Tim Heidecker was doing a podcast 
during COVID, and there are a couple of segments where Tim Robinson played a character called Tim from Michigan. I know, real real stretch for him. <laughs> Who did Halloween haunted houses during COVID? <laughs> but because they closed all the stores down, he couldn't get his decorations. So he's like, "It's going to suck this year. I can't do it. I had to dip into some of my Christmas decorations, turn some Santas into some serial killers." <laughs> Oh. Why can't you just go to Target and get something? That's all crap. That's all crap. <laughs> That's too good. I have. We definitely. I'll have. I'll try to try to find those videos in my history and and share them amongst the, the group. Who, who did the all in decoration yeah. vibe? And of course, as always, we are coming at you live from the Komodo Dragon Pit. Yes, we have. Um, uh, we'll have a segment later where we uh, review the different things that a Komodo dragon can eat, how it eats, and then we'll watch him regurgitate it later when he says, my tummy too full. I'm trying to think feel of... like I'm missing something here. <laughs> uh, I, You know, there's just been a lot of videos that I've seen for whatever reason. I don't know if it's a TikTok I thing uh, or what, but people are fascinated with uh, recording what a Komodo dragon uh, can eat in like one go, and then also I do enjoy this opening segment because it really gets lets the listeners have a peek into what everyone's special interest has been yes. <laughs> the past week. <laughs> See, special interest, yes, but I've never been turned off by something so fast in my life, and I've watched a lot of weird shit online. Um, I know you've made me watch a lot of it. <laughs> uh, thank you, efucked. Dot com. <laughs> um, no, I was just scrolling through TikTok because I was like, okay, cool. This is a neat video of a Komodo dragon regurgitating what I can only assume was a 10-foot anaconda. Um, and then I also saw another one where he was like, all right, adult goat, I'm going to swallow you whole. And I'm like, the fuck? And then the motherfuckers who posted this video said, I'm about to hurt people because hurt people hurt people. And then somebody recorded a Komodo dragon eating a live, unassuming baby goat. Oh. And I said, fuck. I'm... I also saw a video with a goat this week. It was a kid about to commit some kid-on-kid violence <laughs> and bash this baby goat <laughs> with a stick, but then the mama goat just comes in and spears the baby like it's Goldberg. Rightfully so. <laughs> Kids gotta learn one way. They're resilient. They'll bounce back. I Oh, guys, have you ever seen the album cover for Baby Goat? Is it a baby goat? <laughs> um... Yes. Or is it just a human child? Yes, it's <laughs> K- Kivo Money's Baby Goat uh, album. Um, pre- prepare, you- prepare yourselves. Is this something like that's gonna? Oh, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. Oh no, oh no. I like that. Oh he's no, the he's the baby goat. <laughs> this is this is some. Dude, the fucking Bing image creator. I've been seeing shit from that everywhere this past few oh, weeks. This one's also great too. Rilo Rodriguez. And that looks exactly like form. that. I don't I don't love the uh the premise of that. 
Wait, are these actual album covers? These are covers? actual album covers. I don't know if these were AI generated. No, these are real. They look, I mean, this, the, the first one looks like something you would pull off the Bing image creator. This one just looks like a bad idea. <laughs> like, so this is Ryle Rodriguez as like a goat tour, a centaur, a centa goat. But he has like, <laughs> he's got the fuzz on him. He's got like the shoulder fuzz. He's, Wait, does he? Is, is he's that what feeding that is? a cup of lean to his pet goat. Oh yes, he does indeed have fuzz on his shoulders, but nowhere else on his body. <laughs> okay, speaking of AI generated shit, um, and and uh, shout out to our fellow uh, podcasters out there. You're doing great. Maybe one day your podcast will take off. But I saw this. Maybe this will boost their numbers. Uh, Dudesies, you ever heard of the Dudesy podcast? Uh, I feel like um, I don't yeah. think so. It's only got one name that I know, and it's Will Sasso. Um, I see. Tom Hayne and Will Sasso have a podcast called Dudesy. And I don't know what segment they're doing, but somebody sends in or somebody generates these AI movie trailers for them. And they're they have to guess if it's real or not? They're fu- no, no, they know it's fake. But it's funny as hell. Um, this one is Darby two two Darbies. Uh, this one was the one that I watched. Um, I watched a couple of them. Uh, it involves Tom Hanks in some capacity, um, setting up the plot of a movie, just essentially in a trailer. And uh, there was another one where he's, "Hey, I'm Tom Hanks, and I'm a bus." I've been turned into a bus. You have to get inside, and we have to go turn me into a human. <laughs> and it just sets up the premise of this dumb movie in this like weird trailer. They're the funniest fucking things ever. I would dissociate to this trailer. The, Jesus Christ! When they show the dolphins or the darbies, I lose my mind. <laughs> the fucking tattoo, the tribal tats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is it is the strangest thing ever, and it's making me excited about AI. No matter what See, this movie that we just watched today told me about, people AI. people are, are are making you fear the AI revolution. They're going to take all our, our creative stuffs, and I'm sure certain podcasts could be created with AI, but our podcasts certainly could not be generated by AI because there is no pattern or discernible structure with which it could we're dodging around to try to replicate we're in the system if anything we're slowing the ai podcast down yeah we are we are by throwing so much junk out into the world we are (laughs) we're limiting its ability the learning set is is every time it like absorbs an episode of our show it just gets dumber Because they talk about them AI trailers, but we're going to talk about some real trailers on our segment, uh, Trey Watch. Talk do about. I have to add the belch into the uh, the show notes? This, time? <laughs> this is, It's now part of the segment? I'm sorry. It's a different segment. There's there's regular Trey Watch, there's the vanilla Trey Watch, and then there's belch-flavored Trey Watch. <laughs> Oh yeah, this trailer's this trailer uh, sludge <laughs> feels like a belch this week. 
I don't know. I think perhaps one of my favorite trailers I've ever seen in the history of doing this show is is part of the collection this week. Are we talking about the beekeeper? I'm absolutely talking about the beekeeper. Let's talk about the beekeeper. <laughs> so, y'all remember Crank? Y'all remember uh-huh. the mechanic? Uh-huh. It's the same movie, except he's a beekeeper, he's a, he's a both beekeeper. literally and figuratively. This is this there's is a clandestine organization of secret agents called the Beekeepers, and his his nana gets scammed out of her money and shoots herself. So he goes on a revenge tour. And apparently it's a conspiracy that goes all the way to the top. It is perfect action schlock. This is a hoax movie. This is the movie that, (laughs) this is the trailer that played in front of Tropic Thunder. Yeah, this is a Tropic Thunder trailer. This is an AI generated movie. This is, this is all of those things. I I love it. I think the best part of this movie is that it's John Wick. I mean, essentially it's, it's, and I think they say it's from the producers of John Wick or something like that, but, um, It is John Wick, but it does not mess around with, uh, you know, all the sequels that require a movie to get up to this level, because this just takes one movie to jump the shark. It's like, you know what? No. 30 minutes in, shark has jumped. There's a secret organization. We're going to the top. This is not just somebody's getting hacked and and, uh, scammed. Uh, I think this is smart. Why waste yourself on Beekeeper two three and four to find out that it goes all the way to the top give me it in one there's only one man so dastardly as to as to form i mean this is a, a call scamming it was you tricky nick tricky <laughs> it dick. was this is this is from david Ayer, who's given us such seminal hits as suicide squad the og and uh end of watch yes Classic day. Uh, he, he did he did write Fury, which was a legitimately good movie. However, uh the rest of his Oh, he wrote the he did the screenplay for the original The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Back when it was about stealing combo VHS DVD players. <laughs> well, he's gone the same way as them. Oh, he wrote uh, Training Day too. Okay. He's got some he's got, he's got some credentials. However, like he also Again. has made this movie in which Jason Statham beats up uh, six FBI agents in full military armor uh, with his bare hands at the same time. So it's the sting I, of the bee. Too. I was mis I was misspoken with um, the fact that this was from the producers of uh, uh, John Wick. That's another trailer I forgot because this is the week of John Wick style movies. Um, well. Keeping on with Beekeeper, I—I I mean, I think it looks fun. I—I I have fun with I have Frank. a soft spot in my heart, a soft spot in my heart for a spot in my heart. I've got a soft um, spot in my heart. <laughs> You're in my heart. Are you busting out um, rhymes over here? <laughs> I've got. I have an accent that I work very hard to hide. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, the tra- transporter one and and transporter two are some of my favorite action movies i i love cranked i love the mechanic i'll watch any b action movie if it stars jason statham especially if it involves bees. real bees <laughs> especially he better have all right he better have a bee grenade at some point where he, he throws into a room and bees what? come out 
Wait, if he doesn't, if there's no kale involving bees, what is this movie even for? Yeah. Well, do, doesn't he have honey that's flammable? Yeah. Oh, is that yeah. what that was? Yeah. They, he grabbed, Napalm honey? I thought that was grabbed, just gasoline, but if that's honey, that's that's ten times the fucking The line in the movie. The, hold on. I'm going to listen to it. Also, so watch this with your watch with with your old g- grandma or or mom or dad who hates scammers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I love how quickly this escalates, and the room where the, I love the control room where they're scamming these people. It's like a fucking NASA ground control. <laughs> There's like a director and all these people in computers, and they're clapping as they drain the bank account, which it's is fucking hilarious. That is that is amazing because if you've ever seen like an actual scammer's office, uh, it it's it looks like a normal office because all yeah, the it's a are- fucking trailer in india yeah <laughs> and that's not us being racist okay that's india just statistically really, a lot of them are it has a huge problem with scammers in india like i think even even people in india are like hey this is not right you should probably fucking See. stop and uh i think our fbi is working with like their uh law enforcement to like try to get these places shut down there's a lot of people on YouTube who make content out of this by yes. fucking with them it's and a, it's reverse a, it's scamming them. It's a cottage them. industry in and of itself. It's hilarious. That's why, and it's you know they did a good service, right? Because they they put it on Jason Statham's radar, and now Jason Statham's we're going to send him in, and he's going to take care <laughs> of this it. Is, <laughs> this is just his training footage. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine? This is a documentary. The <laughs> new thing from Except like they replaced YouTubers. all the Indians with white millennials or white Gen Zers. <laughs> Can you imagine because the it's new- Hollywood, you know, we can't the, the we can't the, have brown people be the bad guys. The progression of this of the uh the YouTuber like, "Oh, I scam a scammer" is um is just they're going to kill them. <laughs> they're just going <laughs> to All right, today so we're going to we're going to fly to India today. I got the, the location scam, the address the scammer of the tra- Yeah, the scam the scammer channels meet the prank show channels yeah. and the prank is just that we shoot them. That's the oh prank. I'm here just, today. I'm, I just got this from the uh, the military access store. It's an A10 Warthog. That's right. <laughs> the gun they put on fighter jets. And I've got one here right now. Let's try it out. <laughs> it's the new Mr. Beast video. <laughs> yeah, I I like the I like the collab with the pranksters <sighs> where they're like, all right, so we got this gnarly prank that it's just a car bomb. And we found these scammers with our friends over at Scam the Scammers YouTube channel. And we're going to go over to India right now and car bomb this place. And Wouldn't totally it be funny them. if we made an IED at home and then flew over to a scammer's house and no, put it under you, their car? Gorilla, pr- gorilla pranking. Now, YouTube is probably going to demonetize this. So I need you to go over to Squarespace. And I need you to go to my Patreon and subscribe. Gonna, or check out our sponsor, Squarespace. Party poopers in Geneva. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go commit war crimes. <laughs> Bleh, this silly is, transition. This is almost as great an idea for content war as in the middle of... Vimes. Tag me, Vimes. As in the middle of watching uh, The Creator... There was a scene where uh, it gave me inspiration for another Blumhouse horror movie. That I'm surprised it hasn't been made yet, called Death Dash, where it's it's a door dasher who's also a serial killer and kills people as he delivers their food. <laughs> I like that. 
That, that should be that should be a thing. We got the Airbnb. How is that not a movie, right? right? We got, like, yeah. We got like the Airbnbs type Barbarian. movies. Barbarian. <laughs> yeah. Where like they're just like, yeah, no, Airbnb, this popular service, uh, is, is super easy to just kill people. <laughs> you do it. See now you now you take that and you combine it with like a um, um, what was that movie about uh, with Johnny Depp and he was the worst of he was the John, Edward Scissorhands I think. I mean yeah, and that's I movie. mean that is Sweeney a movie Todd. with Johnny that's, Depp. Well, that was what I was fucking thinking. Of. Oh, the demon, the demon barber. Yeah. Street, um, where he takes the corpse of the one DoorDash victim and turns it into the next DoorDash meal. Oh. <laughs> You could put some song numbers in there, and make it whimsical. I like it. Sealed for your Sweetie Tower is a musical. <laughs> yeah, we got to get going on these. We're, I think we're gonna hit our. We're gonna in, we're gonna implement our five max rule, our beautiful okay. five max rule. And I'm gonna. I only pulled five, so. Okay, and I'm gonna immediately waste my pick on just quick talking about the uh, the Renaissance, um, the the Renaissance by Beyonce. Um, I didn't even see. I wanted one. to do an era's tour movie of my own. Taylor well, Swift Beyonce can't, get can't all the glory. handle. Beyonce has has gotten to a point. I don't feel like she used to be this way, but she's definitely grown and star enough to kind of have this complex where, if she's not the center of attention, she gets rather upset. So I'm not at all surprised by this move. Yeah. The nice part, I think, is that there's a lot of overlap between the two um, fan bases. So anyone who likes um, Mega Pop, I feel like they, I feel like they feud though. I feel like the fe- there's because there's like weird racial tension <laughs> with Swifties. I, I think I can see that. Like where, the, like the I, I've read a lot of of Taylor Swift is like aggressively white. Yeah, like I, or maybe she had some, something like I was reading this random because the new they kill all the third party Reddit apps, so I'm on the official app, uh, despite my hating the official app. And one of the it annoying things the official app does is it like puts posts on your like page from subreddits that you're not subscribed to. So it was this one thing about. Taylor Swift and the headline was like weird so I wanted to read the comments to to see what people were saying about it and there are a lot of people who I assume were black from their flair <laughs> or their their little reddit emoji thing mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of them do not like Taylor Swift a lot of them are talking a lot of shit about her mm-hmm. so I feel like I you just... know you can't have two queens in the same kingdom right so <laughs> sure. I just, I just immediately think of, I thought of the Kanye tweet where he called Taylor Swift a snake. <laughs> I, you know what? Side note, very glad we haven't heard anything from Kanye in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. I he hope he's getting the help he needs. Um, I really, I, he's clearly mentally unwell. So you and bring I hope up he the, gets the help he needs. You bring up the Beyonce versus like Swifty um, feuds. Uh, made me interested to see if there's because the Eras tour is coming out. Um, 
It's I think it's uh, out next week. No, oh, no, next, next week. week, October thirteenth, I think. And and they they all but like confirmed that it's a uh, like you know it's like going to be like a concert style thing. Like they're not it's not a movie that you're going to sit down and and Watch be quiet like through. Movie. You're going to like sing. People are going to be singing along and you know being disruptive and stuff. But that's like the vibe of it. Um, I saw the prices of the tickets. Ticket, they're big on. Swifties are famously big on numerology. The ticket prices are nineteen dollars and eighty nine cents because she was born in nineteen eighty nine, mm-hmm. I think, um, and that's what like her like I don't know special number is nineteen eighty nine. My special number. Uh, but twenty bucks a ticket, and this motherfucker's like sold out in a lot of showings. Sold out, not the front seats, but um, I this is this is gonna be big if it's got legs. Well, if you take a look at, well, we'll get there in the follow-up, but if you take a look at the box office right now, yeah, this <laughs> it's going to be big just because there's no fucking soft. competition. Yeah, this box <laughs> Which office is, is soft this week. They yeah. picked the right fucking time to release this goddamn I, movie, I'll I tell you what. I think so. Um, yeah, I, I totally, wholeheartedly agree with yeah, that. Kurt, you weren't here last week. Um, no, I had the flu. But um, <laughs> That was fun. Yeah. Um, but... There was nothing, there was like nothing, there was one movie released last week in the top ten. Oh, I'm I'm sure, like it, looking at, we had three movies open this week, and they did go one, two, three, but the highest grossing among them was like less than $25 million, Yeah. so <laughs> it's not exactly a strong uh, competition. Uh, all right, from from the Renaissance, we go to an actual Blumhouse horror movie. That they're making, that's not Daft Dash or uh, Duck Duck Goose. It's far worse. Uh, someone was sitting around in the office and said, "Has anyone made a movie about a haunted swimming pool?" And then they were <laughs> like, "No, I don't think they have." No, one, no one's made a feature film out of that episode of "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" <laughs> okay, let's do let's it. Let's have a let's have Marco Polo be a a fun little like. You know, uh, tension uh, thriller and piece Marco, in there. Marco, so. pull me under. Only when introducing you're playing Marco Night Polo. Swim. <laughs> introducing Night Swim. Um, Night Swim. <laughs> let me read to you. <laughs> let me read to you. That if only, if only they would be as bold as to to homage Night Trap like that. But no, uh, let me read to you the synopsis for this movie. An iconic backyard swimming pool becomes a hidden source of terror. That's the Blumhouse panache, the flair. Um, so the question is, spooky ghost or thriller killer? I don't know. Um, there's there's a much more effective, it's not a good movie, but there's a much more effective pool-based murder thriller called Swim Fan. <laughs> Was that the one where they're trapped underneath the pool all night? Like the pool cover goes over and they're trapped underneath it. No, that was the. I think he's like a high school or college swimmer, right? And this stalker chick with the handle swim fan, like, starts messaging him on AIM because this is when this movie was made, hmm. and like she starts to like fuck with his life and like tries to murder his girlfriend or something by drowning her in the climax. Um, I don't remember the movie super well. But that's like the one pool-based horror thriller that I can think of, and it's probably more effective than this movie. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, what do you say? What do you weigh on it, Jake? Go- ghoster, um, ghoster boy. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking demon. I'm thinking a uh, little, little kind of mix between. I think so too. Like maybe it possesses somebody, um, and they're gonna like, I don't know. See, the thing is, is that a lot of like movies like this help from like, oh, we looked in the attic or the basement, and there was like a blood circle ritual that, you know, was the source of the evil. Yeah. I don't know where you put that in the pool in the in the by the filter. So I, the Necronomicon the, is inscribed on the chlorine. Uh, uh, holy! I think sh- I think the the floor of the pool is a portal to hell. Yeah, it seems it seems like there's like uh, when she dives underwater, it's like it's just like open water and it continues. The on. deep end is really really deep. It goes um, all the way down. You know what? <laughs> I what would be really cool is if they like they. They go really deep with it, with like the sci-fi, and they start getting into like, like SCP, like it's a portal to like a Cthulhu thing, <laughs> and like tentacles are coming out, and and like really scary monsters or some shit. Like, like I want, I miss Mist, and that that wasn't that wasn't me. Yeah, the Mist, uh, the okay. Stephen King I, movie. I thought you were talking about the hit '90s adventure game. I don't think anyone has ever said that before, Jake. I, I think Mist, the Mist was a is a fantastic uh, kind of like horror uh, thriller monster movie that um, uh, had uh, infamously had an ending that was better than Stephen King's ending, and that was self proclaimed by Stephen King. He said, "I like the movie's ending a lot better, and if I could rewrite the book, I would do that." Uh, because I'm pretty sure Stephen, the book ended just like kind of mundanely. Yeah, the um, book was pretty lame. I remember that. And then I was talking with my friend who was excited for the movie. I'm like, well, the book sucked. And he's yeah. like, well, the movie's going to be much better. I'm like, that's never once how that worked. I, but I guess in this instance. I think this is an instance where the movie's a lot better than the book. Because the movie is, it had a pretty good cast. Um, and I think it was like popular enough to spawn a... TV show spinoff as well. Um, I don't know how well that did though. Yeah. Uh, but but the ending was great, and it was all about like the fog coming in, and the fog was a government, uh, like well, yes, like project spoilers. That, yeah. Well, movies a, like two decades. Yeah, no, it's an old ass <laughs> movie. But like that spawned a like portal to another world that these monsters were like coming into ours from. Uh. And, oh, so it's like Half Life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, I guess. Yeah, but the and the, and this would be cool if like the bottom of the pool was like that, but with like mm. sea creatures, and it's like triggering people's like thassophobia. My creature from the sea. Okay. Oh, Jake, you didn't even spoil a twist, which I won't. I won't spoil a twist either at the end of Mist. The Misty Twist. Yeah, team. yeah. No, I think that that's a really solid Mist twist <laughs> at the end. I think that's my favorite flavor of ice pop. Mm-hmm. The, the mist twist. My favorite flavor. Of it's just Sierra Mist flavored ice cream twisted with vanilla. Speaking oh, of, uh, we we can probably do these back to back. So we got the pool horror movie. Yeah. The next horror movie that we got is a little holiday themed, and we got mm-hmm. the full trailer for Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, and I wish where... I didn't see it because <laughs> it's, it's, it has cool kills in it. If you haven't seen it and you like thriller killer seventies movies. This has all the. This has like two of the cool kills in it. Don't the, don't watch it. 
Just, I know. Just go watch I, they, the movie they, when it comes when out. They sp- when they spoil the kills, I think that's like half the battle. And that's what Saw always did. Uh, was they they fucking spoiled a lot of the kills, and it's like, man, this would be a lot more exciting if I didn't see this already. But um, so a couple things this trailer brings us is a a little bit of a I don't know if it's a jab or or what, but it's a like a they referenced like the Black Friday tra- the stampeding, which we yeah. haven't seen in a while. That's his origin uh, story, and and that's fucking funny. Um, so if that's yeah, if that's the origin story about like, oh, you guys like trampled over me and I somehow got your names, that's why I'm killing you. Uh, kudos on an original premise, somewhat. Um, but the, I guess the icing on this turkey, uh, the strawberry frosting, if you will, on this cooked Thanksgiving turkey is um, the fact that he uses Thanksgiving uh, tools Themed as stuff. yeah. As uh, the killing objects, which is chef's kiss. I think that is the the best little... Because if he was just stabbing people with a knife... Well, you got to go all the way with it. If you're going to make the movie... If you're going to just title the movie Thanksgiving, you have to go all the way you with know, it. And that's what Blumhouse does. And props to Blumhouse for pushing the the bar. Pushing, <laughs> okay. Forcibly pushing that Let's bar not lower. give Blumhouse too much credit here cuz they're basically doing nothing different than Santa's sleigh did back in like 2004. It's a terrible horror movie starring Bill Goldberg and it has a lot of holiday themed kills. Bill Goldberg's an evil Santa who is actually the antichrist. <laughs> yeah. But he he got tricked into delivering presents for a thousand years, but the curse is over, and he's he's here to kill everyone. And he stabs some Jewish guy with a menorah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, if they did a Christmas one, why don't they should do a uh, 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 a Jewish one for uh, Hanukkah? Hanukkah. The oil keeps burning. <laughs> Hanukkah. Can you Hanukkah. make it eight nights? Um. <laughs> This also has the best tagline. This has this has one of those taglines that we would we would have fucking thought up, uh, but they actually put it in. I'm so glad. This November <laughs> there will be no leftovers. That's not bad. That's not oh. bad. Oh, give that guy get that guy a donut. Get that guy a free donut from the local. Get like, that guy a, from a the guest spot on the show, shop, like the really craft one that has like all the wacky flavors. Get him a big old like cereal donut. You know. You're describing the donut shop that my girlfriend works at. <laughs> oh, donuts aren't that big. They're they're regular size donuts. Like, they just have crazy toppings. I'm going to name drop Bella Napoli right here. I'm thinking like those size donuts. Mm. The gigunderness jumbo donuts. I feel like the bigger the donut, the worse the taste. Yes. No, I agree. That's why I'm like, it's, it's all novelty. <laughs> just like this movie. I will say uh, there's a the donut shop in um, Clarence that is known for having massive donuts. I cut open a peanut donut and I not sixty percent of it was cream filling, and the rest of it was donut. They have some. They've perfected the dough uh, of that. It's got a lot of flavor to it. But what about the nut? Have they gotten that nailed down? They got that nut too. I'm not gonna there's, lie. They got the cream's pretty good. There's like two acceptable varieties of donut. There's that, and then there's the very tiny homemade farm donut that's made out of like the cake. The, like, yeah, it's and fried it's like, cake. 
Love it. The sour cream glazed donuts? Yeah. Oh, I will not God. sit here and let... fashioned where it's just like, we made the apple cider donut and they're greasy as okay. shit. Like they're there we go. The there bag. we go. Y'all talking about cake donuts. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and let you talk shit about apple cider donuts. No, sir. They're the top. Yeah, no. They right. are the those top. Are, those are solid. Those are really solid. Go, come, come to Albany, New York. <laughs> go to Cider Belly down yeah. on... Uh, on um, uh, Lark, I think we're Pearl. <laughs> I think we're doing that Sunday. We're gonna take the kid over to, uh, to Maple Farms. No, not to Albany, but it's fall. It's it's fall season, so my my basic uh, my pumpkin spice bitch gotta go get her apple. Uh, good, go get her. Pumpkin. I will say good luck with that. Side note, um, up here the early there was an early frost that killed like entire harvests. Yeah, so, yields aren't great up here. Yeah. Mm. My my local orchard back where I grew up had to like buy apples so that they had apples to sell. Oh wow. Yeah. They're Crazy. a pretty solid orchard, but that frost just absolutely fucked the harvest. So, um speaking of getting fucked and then also the horror not horror, um holiday themed movies, we also have Silent Night. Yes. Uh, this was the one that was uh, from the producers of John Wick. So they are, you know, pushing the, hey, we have good fight choreography and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, so this has to have like a, a genre where man seeks revenge for for something. Uh, yes, this isn't called, even a mundane. It's called Death Wish yes. knockoffs. Yeah. Well, the genre is called revenge thriller. Okay. Well, this is a revenge thriller, uh, or By whatever John you want Wu. to call it, or John or John Wick spinoff. <laughs> uh, but it's also holiday themed because uh, it's called. Because no Night. revenge thriller was ever made before 2014 when John Wick came out. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it's a brand new uh, idea. Um. So yeah, I guess something about. Him getting shot up by a drive-by. Yeah, and he lost uh, his voice, so he's silent. So, yeah, son gets caught in the crossfire. Guy loses son, loses voice, um, and is is angry and uh, has a date on his calendar that says "kill them all." Also, somehow got into a police station and took pictures of all the targets. They just let him do that, uh, and then he goes and kills everybody. Yeah. Well, his, he pays his taxes. He's entitled. True. <laughs> you can see a most wanted list. You can tell he was like, "This is a actually this is a public public area. I pay your." <laughs> this is a First order. Amendment auditor. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's, an, he's auditing the audit and takes pictures of the people and then kills a Travis Kelsey knockoff lookalike uh, at one point. So. Oh no! All the Swifties are going to yeah. boycott this movie right after they're done watching the Eras tour. Exactly. Yeah. They will not go see this movie. They're so angry. Uh, but yeah, there, there's not much more to this. It's a that's it. That's the that's the movie. Yeah. Of it's the your holiday themed action this movie. Week, this one is the most likely to have like a very an action scene where we go, oh man, I remember that action scene. Like yeah, I have I feel like scene which they haven't shown us in the trailer because I trust the guys. Well, on this actually, trailer. you know what? I'll push back on that. I think I think the beekeeper, perhaps for different reasons. We'll have an action scene that a we remember. Ki- a kill with bees. Yeah. One can only if hope, right? I mean, we we can only hope. Like I said, if if that's not in the movie, what was it all for? 
Well, I call it the beekeeper mm-hmm. one. I call it, it something else. A, a, a honeycomb covered in them in some dude's mouth and says, and he walks away. He's like, be afraid, motherfucker. I almost, I almost want a kill where when it gets to the head guy, he's got the fucking wicker man mask or whatever. And they're just not the bees, yeah. the main bad guy. The bees. Oh, my God. Um. Okay, I'll, I'll briefly mention Horizon, an American story. It's the reason uh, Kevin Costner is leaving Yellowstone uh, to make a movie that is ostensibly the exact same premise as Yellowstone. <laughs> I want to make my own stone. Uh, and, um, and then... No good. Yeah, I'll mention the concierge. I was just about to bring that up. It's uh, it's very anime. It's very uh, what's the word? Kawaii. Is this a thing <laughs> yeah. in Japan where like giant department stores have like your own butler that like shops with you if you're super fucking rich? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, that's what a concierge essentially is. Um, okay. I've never made the kind of money to shop at those types of stores, but I know that they exist. The I thought I thought they were like hotel people that told you. Uh... Well, it's the same, like the, the concierge is someone who works in the service industry and takes care of their customers, mm-hmm. be them hotel guests or, or shoppers at a very upscale department store. Yeah. Um, I just think of, I just think of Neo Yokio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, it's Kaz Khan, the Ichiban. And it's, uh, is David Ioyate, Ioyate? Ioyate. Ioyate. That's what it is. Um, I've never had to pronounce his name before. Oh, my sister got in an argument with me about how that's not how you're supposed to say his name. I'm like, I've heard him say his own name, and that's how he says it, so I don't know what to tell you. And then she looked it up, and and I was out of the room, but she told my girlfriend, yeah, he was right. (laughs) Egg? Egg Helms? Egg Helms. Yeah. yeah. Egg Helms. What did you think? I was like, Ed. Ed? No. My name is Egg. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's um, it's anime. It is. They cranked up the saturation uh, to maximum on that one. So. Um, oh, yeah. It's super, super bright and colorful. Preserve your retinas while they last. Uh, that's about Trey Watch. Yep, that's that's that for that. Let's move on quickly now. We'll we'll get the pace back up a little bit here. Well, we take a look at weekend thirty nine. Ooh boy, only eleven left before it's twenty twenty four. Four years well, past thirteen. When... Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I don't know why we're only fifty weeks. Other ago. other. Sometimes other. we only do fifty episodes a year, so that that's how that works. But anyway, um, we're getting close there. It's almost twenty twenty four, which is kind of wild when you think about. Um, the world ending in 2020, and now it's four years since then. <laughs> how we just kept going? That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts how how the world continued after it ended. It <laughs> makes me makes me not fear the AI apocalypse so much. We'll rebound in a few years. It'll be fine. <laughs> we will survive. All right, but uh, leading the charge for the weekend of last weekend, September 29th through October 1st. Opening in first is Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie, from Paramount Pictures. Uh, I, in can I share um, a thing? We were at the we were watching the creator, and they had little um, tchotchkes for Saw. And I saw a Paw Patrol 
one next to it. And I didn't realize that they were doing it for Paw Patrol as well. So I thought that was like some weird like skin dog that Saw makes in the movie. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? What is this freaky abomination? Like they're putting that on the cups? Yeah, he was very confused for a second. Like, no, Peter, that's Paw Patrol. <laughs> There's a kid's movie also out this week. Yeah, what a weird, like, open slate of opening movies, right? You have The Creator, which is, I guess, I didn't realize that was a Walt Disney uh, Studios movie. The Creator? Explain. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Explains a lot, actually, about <laughs> a lot of things, but uh, we will discuss that at length in our uh, feature segment. But uh, Paw Patrol led the charge, bringing in $22.7 million in 3989 theaters, which is a lot of theaters um, and not a ton of money. So that's uh, that's made $55 million worldwide so far. It'll have the legs to stand on because it's really... I mean, if I had a kid... That's really the only movie I'd feel comfortable taking them to that's out right now, unless TMNT's still playing. But Yeah. Like, not in the top ten. Yeah, not a lot of it, kids' movies out there. Yeah, it's only a only a thousand theaters are still carrying TMNT. So I expect this to to have a pretty long go of it, especially since there aren't a ton of movies coming out on the horizon. Um Yeah. Plus so. you have people who want to go see the double feature, Paw Patrol Saw X. Yes, that, I'm sure that that's going to be an, a regular Barbenheimer. Yeah, so I, that's what I wonder if that's what studios are trying to go after. They're like trying to get that audience of. Uh, I'm surprised feature. more studios aren't trying to do that. Like, especially with how successful Barbenheimer is. Like, granted, those were two yeah. movies that were good, and that's kind of an important factor in that working. Is the movies have to be good. <laughs> Not saying that Paw Patrol and Saw X aren't good. I was going to say, know. what are you implying? Haven't seen either, but we are going to take a look at Saw X in our spotlight here as it finds itself in second uh, with uh, $18.3 million in 3,200 theaters. So doing about the same as Paw Patrol on a per theater basis, uh, but 18.3 for that. Total worldwide so far is uh, $35.7 million. And as I mentioned previously, it finds itself in the crosshairs of our spotlight. Um, so uh, taking a look at how it's doing uh, critically, it's got a 7.1 out of 10 IMDb, a shockingly high 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, and a meta score of 60 with a user score on Metacritic of 7.7. So it seems like fans of the franchise are enjoying what they're seeing and people who aren't convinced remain unconvinced. But as we all know, we got to go to the straight to the source. We got to get the word on the street. And the people who carry the word on the street are the IMDb user reviewers because as we all know, they're, they're, they're the real cross-section of America. <laughs> <laughs> Real diverse bunch of people posting on IMDb user reviews. We've learned, but, you know, to be fair, we've learned a lot about America in looking at IMDb user reviews. For for example, I learned that there is a, uh, like, Pacific Northwest regional pizza joint called Pizza Pipeline, and they have a product called uh, Cinnamon Trixie Sticks and another product called Zesty Cheese Bread. Um, 
and Oops. without without this, I would never have known that. I want to check um, in on Pizza Pipeline. How you been doing, Pizza Pipeline? You got anything new? <laughs> what's what's your specials? Um, oh, they have a barbecue brisket, beef brisket sub now. Ooh, actually, I thought you were gonna say barbecue beef brisket pizza, and I was about to be like, I don't know about that, but a sub, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, get that on a sub. All right, Pizza Pipeline. Uh, uh, you know who would also like that barbecue brisket sub? I'm assuming, knowing nothing about this person, uh, Alexandra. Kiss Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's it's K I S, <laughs> not K I S S. So um, I'm not sure. But if you have the last name Alexander and you name your daughter Alexandra, you're just an asshole. <laughs> Um, but they have this to say about SawX. 10 out of 10. Very engaging. To be honest, I was not anticipating the movie to be this engaging. Not having seen the first installment, I didn't really know what to expect. <laughs> it's such a mystery in a Saw movie. Could be anything. Uh, I was kept at the edge of my seat throughout the entire film. The suspense was unbelievable, and the acting from John Kramer was stellar. The visual and special effects were extremely realistic and also very revealing. Not sure what that means. I don't think that the audience was expecting the amount of blood that was shed. No, I think they they knew what they signed up for, seeing as this is the tenth movie in the Saw franchise, and they're all the fucking same. <laughs> I've never heard about this movie until a couple days ago when the trailer was watched. We'll definitely watch the original. A must for everyone. Double exclamation point. Three out of eight found that helpful. There you have it, folks. Wow. Saw X. A must for everyone. Hit, they, All they, ages. <laughs> a new convert has entered the fandom. Apparently. We have, I don't uh, believe it. I'm going to check their, their profile to make sure they haven't reviewed any other Saw movies. <laughs> we have a one out of ten. This is anti-film from the movie Maverick. <laughs> Has the bar been set so low that this is considered good to you people? What is happening with cinema? Do you have... Do you all have the money? Memory. <laughs> do you have the money? <laughs> well, do you? Punk? I have dad brain. Don't blame me. Don't. <laughs> I know what he's thinking about. Do you all have the memory of a fly? This film was all kinds of awful. There isn't another way to look at it. It's sloppy, 30 minutes too long, totally contrived, completely incompetent, and multiple twists could be seen coming a mile away. None of the characters' choices made any sense. None of the characters are fleshed out. No pun intended. And the film begs you to feel sympathy for multiple characters when none of the characters deserve sympathy and they are all irredeemable the this film is atrocious on so many levels and y'all are too used to seeing absolute trash that you've forgotten what a decent film even is like top gun 2 being nominated for best picture this is more proof how far the bar has fallen in hollywood Y'all need to wake up. Three out of six found that helpful. You know, it's really funny. I was laughing for that review, not 
necessarily just because the content was amusing, but like you could take the body of that review and I could think of a movie that we might talk about later that I could use that exact same review for. Stick it right onto. And have it make make a lot of sense. Entirely transferable. Uh, in the middle here, we've got Joshuato 75297, 6 out of 10 review. Uh, is this a good movie? Is this a good Saw movie? The real question here is, is this a good Saw movie? Hmm. Uh, I might have to, I might have to go watch it again, but I don't really want to, which is a bad <laughs> sign. <laughs> did, did I like, did I like the movie on first viewing? <clears throat> not really, but that could be to do with, I was not expecting the first half to be like that. You'll understand when you see it. <laughs> I got extremely bored. The saw parts were really sawy, which means gore and blood splatter and crazy inventions to kill people. But other than that, the movie was very boring. And maybe I'll enjoy it more a second time because I know what I'm going to sit through. I don't know. Only time will tell. Uh, all in all, it's not a horrible movie not, and not a bad saw movie. Just a Just a really, really unnecessary one. <laughs> 11 out of 42 I'm glad he like, talked himself into that over the course of that review I feel like unnecessary is an adjective that could be used to, to describe any Saw movie after like I don't know the fifth one <laughs> yeah. say even past like two probably well I know the first one was a much smaller scope and then two kind of ratcheted it up and I think they maybe still had I don't know Jake's seen more of these than I have which is Zero to any number. I think you mean they saw more of them. <laughs> yeah, you saw them in. Ha- I, I I've done some sawing of of the DVDs in my garage. I, I it's part of my exercise program. It's part of- <laughs> well, maybe I have. I don't know. I I skipped the later ones, and I did not watch the new one with uh, like a reasonable person. Yeah, saw. I missed saw nine. Jigsaw with Chris Rock or Spiral. That's the one. Spiral. Although there was one that was called Jigsaw too, wasn't there? They're um, all they're all the fucking same. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I skipped Spiral. I think I did end up going to see Jigsaw. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. All right. Um, I got another ten out of ten here from Jay Tinda House. Taking this one to the house, uh, and her opinion on this is that they did in fact take it to this house. Uh, they nailed it. Submitted September 28th, 2023. I had the honor of attending the world premiere of this film tonight. I think at this point, it would be pretty hard to argue that Saw is the most consistent horror series ever made. So I think she means it wouldn't be yeah. hard to argue, but or, or that Saw isn't, but the, the typo there is hilarious. Um, to be 10 films in and still putting out masterpieces is something we really shouldn't take for granted. And Saw X is a masterpiece, in my opinion. The film was everything I wanted and more. 
The motivations of John Kramer and whether they are justified or not has always been a great discussion among horror lovers and Saw fans alike. The film is very aware of that. It makes multiple references to this debate, and they are done in a way that is both slightly tongue-in-cheek and also deadly serious coming out of the mouth of Kramer. <laughs> the film is a little more different than others in the series, however. This time we have a revenge plot, and no matter where you stand on Kramer, he is likely going to be your undisputed protagonist here. I thought the revenge element was a brilliant addition to... Isn't that the whole premise from the start? <laughs> It's revenge on people who wronged him. Yeah. So it. So yeah, yes and no, but he he wants to put people who have wronged him through a test to see if they have what it takes to survive. To survive. how much they value life, right? That's how the much whole they thing. value life and what they're willing to do to at least survive. Oh, sorry. Um. Yeah. No, it's all right. I'm just trying to. Figure this out. I thought Evangelos. Okay, it adds another layer to the depravity we are witnessing. It makes everything so much more layered. The movie is probably the most patient in terms of setup the series has seen yet. It takes quite a while for the movie to get all its ducks in a row and get down to the nitty gritty business. Once it does, though, it is relentless. In the second half of the movie, the second half of the film moves at an electric pace. The film was incredible. I couldn't have asked for more. Ten out of ten. 96 out of 132 found it helpful. Jesus. I mean, Jesus. a lot of, a lot of like vague and empty platitudes, uh, but I, I guess they enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Um, so this one has uh, spoilers, so skip ahead 30 seconds. I, I skimmed mm-hmm. through it. I don't think it's anything crazy. Uh, yeah. But one, one out of 10 from Thomas. Ajdari, please let Saw rest. Warning spoilers. Mm -hmm. Amanda and Jigsaw are too old. What is the point of this film? To introduce another dose of plot holes? It can't be suspense or anything like that. Why would he reveal his and Amanda's identity so early? Why use the tapes and Billy at all? I don't know who the fuck Billy is. I know who Amanda and Jigsaw are. Um, the original trilogy worked because of the suspense and charisma, but Anne and charisma? You forgot the D. One single Fucking charisma. donut. One unit. You mean O-nut. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, making you EP. But also <laughs> because it sort of made sense. Movies 4 through 6 were okay, but 7 through 10 just introduced completely implausible timelines. What about 1 through 3? Um... If you watch closely, the original trilogy happened from about mid to late uh, 2002. Stage 4 brain cancer, chemotherapy, car crash, to early 2004, John hiding from late 2003 to being unable to walk from hemiplegia. This guy is a fucking soft fanatic. So when did Jigsaw grew his hair back from this movie? When did he recover from this surgery? When did he recover from the car crash? This simply doesn't make sense. Eight out of 19 found this helpful. I'm so glad you're going here because my guy is about to go here too. We're getting into fandom pedantry territory. Deep saw lore. Which is my favorite kind of pedantry. (laughs) 
Um, from the Roman Empire one, we have. <laughs> How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Oh, weekly, <laughs> at least. Uh, we got a six out of ten. Actually, it's Saw Nine. Okay, first, let me clarify that this is not Saw 10. It's actually Saw 9, as the Spiral movie has nothing to do with the Jigsaw franchise, and I will never understand why they consider that film as Saw 9. So, Saw 10 is actually Saw 9. Okay, apart from that, this entry offers the same formula, and if you are a fan of Jigsaw, you will like this film, but at the same time, you will realize that the franchise have lost the magic that the earlier films, Saw films, had. First three films were the best, and then things went downhill. After part three, we got mostly average entries with the Jigsaw film to be the weakest of them all. This new entry is between, set between parts one and two, and you get the same tiresome formula. On the plus is we finally get Jigsaw back and we have a few good new death scene traps. Apart from that, nothing is new. Saw X, part 9 for me, is only, only for the fans of the franchise. The others, you may skip it. 1 out of 10. Just, just nothing to do. It's like, oh, the movie was, a, it was okay. Well, I mean, they they make some... Po- broader points about how it's you know the same old shit yeah um but yeah there you have it that's that's saw 10 ladies and gentlemen it's up there um, with um uh jurassic world where the the type of dinosaur the spinosaurus <laughs> yes <laughs> there was no spinosaurus I was really looking forward to see the spinosaurus <laughs> they teased it in the trailer and there was no spinosaurus <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make any assumptions about the person who wrote that review, but it reads like someone something written by someone who's on the uh, the spectrum. Spectro. Oh yeah. Um. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I'm oh, honestly I probably I, on the spectrum. <laughs> allowing people who are on the spectrum to have any sort of like involvement in society and online, it's impure. I probably uh, they don't call it that anymore, but I I, I think I have a pretty mild form of Aspergers. <laughs> kill, well, kill all infrared people. I guess we'll have to kill you. I guess so. Three hundred megahertz and lower. Just get them out all, of here. All my uh, all my uh, contributions to society have not uh, outweighed the original sin of possibly I've, being autistic. <laughs> I've got my ice pick. If you want a at home lobotomy, like. That's, the episode, that's what that that Treehouse of Horror from Simpsons, where most like they let you keep the piece of brain they take out. I mean, I'm for sure neurodivergent. I hate that term, but it is what I am. Don't you? Aren't you technically neurodivergent if you have like ADHD? Yeah, that's why that's, I that, am. Yeah, yeah, that's how what they deem as I feel like is like the baseline of like neurodivergency i just i hate that term so much. i don't know it makes it seem like far more grandiose than it actually is it's like no i just i have trouble focusing because there's a chemical imbalance in my brain that's yeah i'm not special because of it my life isn't super duper duper hard i mean it's harder but it's not like i don't have a persecution complex about it have you tried just not being adhd 
Like I, you know, it, it, the the thought occurred to me <laughs> in college. Just focus. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember these things that you put down. <laughs> Just do your tasks in order. Come My God, on. just call the fucking doctor. Just go. Just like write a write a list. <laughs> um, in third, uh, trailing, bring up the rear on Saw X and Paw Patrol is the creator. A movie which I'm sure costs several hundred million dollars to make. Uh, oh, but- did you not know? Oh, they don't know. They don't know. This is an incredibly cheap movie that they made. Oh really? It was oh, like 80 million? million. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, I I guess the 100 million. That was pretty close. So, I said uh, several hundred. It, no, I said 800. I heard a couple hundred. Uh, whatever. Whatever regards. Um, that that was one of like the comp the pros of this movie was that it like hit CGI like levels that Marvel spends uh, you know, $250,000 doing. Yeah, it does make the cinematography all the more impressive, which is one... I mean, when we talk about this movie, we'll get into it. But that's one of the the few strengths of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it does make it impressive that they were able to achieve that on a relatively modest budget. But still, the returns are not great regardless. $14 million opening yeah. in third place, only 37 worldwide so far. Being kicked out of the IMAX theater for The Exorcist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we wanted to see John David Washington in IMAX size. And we could have had we gone on, like, Wednesday. But on Thursday, The Exorcist opened in IMAX and booted the creator out. We were in the last theater <laughs> down yeah. the hall. <laughs> there was there were three other people in that theater on a Friday night. I, yeah. um... I found it difficult to go to the theaters this week, so I, I um, don't. I I'm not surprised why. I uh, I found I brought the theater to my house. I see. You you were your own creator. You created. because well, I don't I don't know I don't know if this is for like rent or or what on like. I, don't know, I think this was like a theaters only release for right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, we'll we'll talk about the creator at length later on in the show. Uh, the Nun two precipitously dropping three spots from first to fourth, only losing forty three point nine percent. But I guess it was a pretty weak box office last week because of four point seven million dollars. Um, it's made two hundred thirty four million dollars worldwide though. Yeah. <laughs> God, these movies make so much money. It. it hurts me as like a person who appreciates art in cinema <laughs> that yeah. you know a movie titled the nun 2 like regardless of the content of the movie like that's just creative bankruptcy yeah. <laughs> and Spooky here it is nun. making making a quarter bill like it's nothing uh the blind opened in fifth i don't remember this one long before phil robertson was a re- reality TV star. He fell in love and started a family, but his demons threatened to tear their lives apart. This is a true story that started a dynasty. This Doesn't a, help me any. <laughs> oh, this is a Fathom event. Um, yeah, only in 1700 it's a, theaters. It's a, like, it's a documentary. Something like that. Uh, but it made $4.3 million in just 1700 theaters, which is still only a $2,500 per theater take, but hey, it's got that going for it. 
Uh, Haunting in Venice also dropping three spots this week, uh, down 42.5%, 3.6 million for that one, 91 million worldwide. Uh, Dumb Money is continuing to roll out into more theaters, in 2,000 more theaters now, so that brings it up to 2,800, and up 37.1%. Um, good enough to rise a spot in the ranks. It was uh, seventh or eighth last week and seventh this week. Uh, it's made $9 million worldwide so far. Uh, release it wide, Sony. Come on, get your money back. The Equalizer 3 is down four spots. Um, $2.7 million, down 43.2%. And out of 1,000 theaters, uh, it is available for streaming, or maybe it's just rental, but I think it's on Prime just to watch. Um, $159.4 million worldwide for Equalizer 3. Expend four bulls. Yeah. the big loser this week down seven spots with no loss in theaters. Yeah, sixty-eight point eight million week on week drop, seven hundred and twelve dollar per theater average. That's fucking. That's that's a Luciferian drop from how high that shit fell. People just saw it once and said never again. Well, I think this is this is the Police Academy six of the Expendables movies, right? I think this is the one where they're gonna lose money and they're gonna be like, "All right, we're done." Um, also, I feel like a few of these people are about ready to die. Yeah, <laughs> like no, not not that I want to see anyone die, but let's face reality here: Sylvester Stallone, seventy six years old, Let and him. has abused steroids for a good portion of his life. Give them the excuse. To have an out and enjoy their retirement um, instead of bringing them back for <laughs> Expendables 5. Never going to happen. Hopefully um, not. Uh, but then, Expendables 4 has made a, a staggering $25.4 million worldwide. <laughs> I feel like we need to just wait a little while until we can find a new cast of Expendable action heroes. Like, Give give Keanu Reeves time. See, the problem to... is, is that like we're not we don't live in an era of the action star anymore. Like there are no new action stars being created because there's no new action franchises being created because the only things that make money these days are like franchise installments, usually in the superhero genre or horror movies. So there's, you're not getting the glut of action movies that you were in the 80s to create this original generation of Expendables. I mean, I can I can see, like, uh, um, Chris um, Chris Evans, and uh, I, I'm thinking of their face. Uh, who was the Superman? Uh, Henry Cavill, uh, The Rock eventually getting up there. But these are, like, this is, like... 20 30 years down the road this is like yeah. when they are done acting like they're past their action movie they're past their uh dramatic movie uh era and they're like on the verge of retiring and then they're like i need some i need some cash let's uh let's get together with yeah. some of the old I, action stars and and make a, an expendables reboot yeah i feel like the rock is the only one of those of the modern action stars who could who would do that 
Yeah, he's so the only be... one that has remotely the level of star power that like he, Stallone and Schwarzenegger had. Remotely the level of ego. That he would want to. Well, be he would be for. like the Stallone or Schwarzenegger that like is brings in like the the tickets. You know, twenty thirty years down the road, where he's like kind of old, and done with action movies. And then you get like maybe Chris Hemsworth, maybe get um, Chris John Evans, David Washington. Even. Get all the Chris's, Chris Pine, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> the Chris crew. Chris Pine's not like a super action star, though. I mean, he's been in, in action movies for sure, but he's never been like... He's like an action comedy guy. Yeah, he's not... He Chris doesn't... Pratt? Yeah, Chris Pratt would fine. Do Chris Pratt? Sure. Why are, the, why are there so many Chris's? Because it's the most common male name in the world, <laughs> other than maybe John. John Chris. Chris John. I am a Chris John man. Mike is super popular. Yeah. Like, half the CEOs in the world are named John. That's how common that name is. (laughs) Including ours. Including ours. Surprising. Yes. Um, Barbie. Like, they, they said, Barbie's on streaming. Summer is over. Pull the plug. We're done. But still managing to sneak into the top ten on one point on the strength of one point four two million dollars, uh, losing half its theaters. Uh, no major movement on the worldwide total, but once again, I'll remind everyone: one point four three four billion dollars, uh, the highest grossing movie of twenty twenty three, is the Barbie movie. Barbie Just movie. as yeah. we all predicted. <laughs> go woke, go broke, right? <laughs> I did I did eventually get around to seeing it. Um I don't think I liked it as much as you guys did. I found it to be a little bit too preachy in spots, but overall it's it's a fine enough movie. There there are yeah. some legitimately good laughs. Ryan Gosling gives a very good performance. Um It's it's a stupid silly movie. Uh and it made a lot of money. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um it's like like with Oppenheimer having left now, it's like the the old couple, like the old husband and wife, and the husband passes away, and the wife just doesn't have like the will to live anymore. Yeah, the so broken heart like disease. Later. Yeah, like uh, Carrie Fisher and her mom. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Oppenheimer, um, we'll just give the final tally here: uh, nine hundred and thirty-four million worldwide. So with a re-release. That's likely coming uh, around Oscar time when when the nominees are, and I'm sure this will get a re-release. Uh, I expect this to cross a billion dollars worldwide, which is just insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is crazy to me how well both those movies did financially, well yeah. exceeding their even the wildest expectations anyone had for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the follow-up, and we've. Uh, We've followed up uh, appropriately. And now we will talk some gaming news real quickly here. Um, I don't have a lot of consequence to talk about. I'm working on my Starfield review. It's uh, it's going to be a minute because I am. <laughs> I've put two days worth of hours into the game, but have just progressed in the main story to find out that you get. There's like a whole new game mechanic that I hadn't, was previously unaware of. Oh. So I got to think I still got a ways to go before we're done here. 
Um, but the the preview is that shockingly, despite my uh, general predilection to not love Bethesda's general uh, formula and the fact that Starfield is not a particularly innovative game. I find myself really enjoying Starfield. <laughs> I've uh, I've finished Baldur's Gate. If you want my spoiler-free yes. first remarks, um, is it true know? that it falls apart in the third act? You know, a lot of people say that. It, it kind of, I kind of felt that. Um, it, it doesn't have. I wouldn't say it's a bad ending. Uh, there's just there's, there's a lot of choices, a lot of choices, and it feels like no matter what choice you're making. You're making a bad choice. I kind of felt um, that way at the end of Divinity. You know, and, and I think mm. it's because this game is good where it makes you feel for the characters. And there are a lot of characters um, mm-hmm. in this in this game, all your companions. So that's why I'm saying it's, it's weird if you play with like a full team. You don't really get a lot of that... Um, um, uh, like uh, what is it? NPC character narration, right? Because your uh, your custom character doesn't get really any, um, but they all have stories. Like they all have this mm-hmm. massive thing they're going through, and if you don't get to include them, you barely get to scrape their surface. Um, if you're playing with a full full uh, party, but when you play with them, uh, you really feel for them. I mean, you get to fuck them and all that. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, you get to the end of the game and it's like, it, it's like, you know, you gotta make some tough choices. Um, and there's different ways you can go about it. There's different, uh, avenues and it really is like, you know, there's a lot of options. You can, you can scum save and try them all save out. Scum, and, yeah. uh, uh, so, so there, there's some interesting stuff you can do with that. Uh, but if you want to just play it like a uh, kind of natural, uh, which a lot of people like to do. Uh, but I can see why you wouldn't. Um, if you want the best gaming experience and you don't enjoy the way something turned out, I nobody's going to judge you for being like, you know what, I really didn't like that because I wanted to save that character. That's how I, I amassed my fortune in Starfield was save scumming pickpocketing attempts. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, hey, it's the it's the same exact thing in uh, in this. You can you can do that easily. Um, there's like different gimmicks where you can uh, you can take cash pot gold piles and split them up into little like. A hundred gold chunks, and that reduces the the pick the steel DC. Do you remember that that uh, Skyrim exploit, where in in the first town you can do the quest for that guy who uh, will become your companion, but also is an archery tutor, and you can pay him to teach you archery, and then trade with him as your companion, take your gold right back. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, the uh. So the the the. Baldur's Gate 3 is really interesting. I did read up a little bit or looked up some YouTube videos about Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, um, and it did have some um, implications on the third one. Uh, so there were some things that carried over, even though those games are like decades old. Um, yeah, a good 20 years seemingly. old. Yeah. So I, think, it, I think BGE 1 came out in, I want to say, 99, and Baldur's Gate 2, I think, was 2001? Yeah, something like that. Um and yeah, they, uh, this is a very good game, uh, very good writing, very good uh, voice actors. The characters were all unique, um, kind of. There, there were some similarities between some of them. 2000 um, for BG2. There's uh, a lot of combat in this game. 
um, a lot, a lot, a lot of combat, which is the biggest, I think, split from D&D, which is everybody's going to compare it to D&D. Right. Um, there is less so, less puzzles that you have to do. There are puzzles, mm-hmm. but there's less of that element of like D&D. A uh, lot of stuff to explore. A very big world. I think it runs great. Uh, has a very um, low amount of bugs. Um, yeah, things are not really like... There's not a lot of exploits you can really take advantage of. There's some weird AI stuff for sure, but uh, it's few and far between. Um, we'll wait for the Spiffing Brit video to, to prove us all yeah, wrong about how... In half. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some some stuff that I'm missing. Uh, I mean, I already know somebody who tried to uh, beat the game on a level one character uh, and not leveling up anybody, and they just rely on like barrel mancy and um, barrel mancy. <laughs> there's some cheese. Yeah, the barrel mancy is still a thing, and it's uh, pretty funny. There's a lot of ledges to exploit. It's objectively the oh yeah, pushing people off of ledges. I I read someone like apparently there's a giant like spider boss that makes spiderlings or whatever. Um, obviously not a fight I'm seeking out, but I uh, just the, I just beat that. I read uh I read <laughs> maybe maybe it was you who was telling me that that like the way you kind of cheesed it was just by pushing the the ads off the edge of the cliff. <laughs> well, that was I, I had a really difficult time with it. Um, and the, the only way that I beat it was I ended up pushing uh, a couple of them off the map. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. Oh, that works? Cool. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then when I, I'm in my second playthrough, and I, um, I just snuck around a barrel. Uh, and I'm like, I'm not even going to start a fight with you. I'm just going to knock you off right now. Because I know your body doesn't hold anything. I'm just going to knock you right off. Uh, but there, there's a lot of really cool things in this game, and I think the thing that interests me the most is that they thought of everything. So, there, there's one example from the first act. Uh, you meet this like group of people, uh, and you're supposed to, you can either save them or you can let the goblins kill them. Most people try to save them because uh, that's the good way to go. Um, well, if you try to like, if you want to play like kind of in between. Uh, and you actually let people die. Um, and if that person had important dialogue to move the game forward, uh, they obviously have to replace them. Well, they do. Right. They have like replacement backups. You know, if this person dies, this person will initiate this part of the game to move forward. Well, then what happens if you kill those people? You know, because they're still in the camp, mm-hmm. you can go find them. So somebody went through, killed the people who were supposed to make that next progression. And ended up finding out that they made a backup to their backup who is not accessible in the game and has a totally unique uh, dialogue to the game. And it's probably one of the least um, seen dialogues in the game because they're just like, it, you have to this do is... things nobody would do to, uh, to get them. Right. It's, that, it's so that they don't have to do the Morrowind, the threat of fate is severed. Yeah. Reload a save or persist in the doomed world you have created. So I think what what that what that ends up making is a really coherent game. You're never like, uh, you know, you're never like, your actions really do have consequences, and it doesn't jam up the game. So if somebody is in charge of progressing the plot for you, and they end up dying, 
or it, the game's never going to like bring them back to life or do whatever and like glitch out because uh, it, something weird happened with the game. Uh, there's always a path forward. Uh, so there's tons of different options you could do in the game. The, the, the combat's really good. Uh, it's really straightforward. Uh, a little bit more straightforward than Divinity. So I, I had a lot more fun with that. Uh, there's still some like accidental misclicks that are really damning. Um, but this has a lot less uh, like surface things, um, like sur- like ground elements like that all like uh, prevent your healing things to like damage you. Uh, there's a lot less scummy things that can happen. Um, so I, I was really happy with it. Um, and it's a really fun game with a lot to explore. And you can easily go a ton of different directions. Not to mention, you can pick one of the main characters to play. Like um, one of the NPC kind of characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of creating your own character. And they get specific dialogue um, to the game so it is a different gaming experience then and then also the narrator narrates differently based on whatever characters that's interesting an article came out that like there's 16 different narrator versions um that they have to do for each character custom character all the npcs and then because if you're carlac and a barbarian who has like an intelligent really low intelligence the narrator who's like the inner monologue of carlac is going to speak that way <laughs> and going to think that way. Uh, so it's very, very interesting. Uh, highly recommend it. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, I enjoy, I've enjoyed the amount of time, that the what limited time I've spent with it, and I plan to get a little more deep into it once, once I get through Starfield. And then uh, once I get through that, it's back to cyberpunk for the Phantom Liberty DLC, and it never stops. <laughs> so many games. Um, speaking of the grind, uh, not everyone's got time for that. And one of those people who ain't got time for that is uh, professional wrestling legend Randy Orton, who allegedly forked over a grand to some kid to grind levels on Elden Ring for him. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. What a cheat. I saw that story and I was like, this is, I have to talk about this because it combines a lot of interests that are relevant to me specifically. <laughs> and like, uh, that yeah, kid has the biggest, he has the most rep of any nerd. He has the most nerd cred of any high school kid who has ever existed. I feel yeah. Like. Could you imagine like. <laughs> He has an like the leap for every argument like the the leap of faith you have to make though when someone out of the blue claiming to be Randy Orton contacts you is like hey can you level up my character in Eldering for me I'll pay you a thousand dollars that sounds like it's made entirely out of scam right like what 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 do you think his parents thought about it I probably didn't tell him but like still yeah. I guess I guess he's offering to pay you so that's that's one thing, but again, hey, so is the Nigerian prince, Randy right? Randy Orton, I'm going to pay you. I want you to level up my character in Elden Ring, but don't tell your parents. It's a secret, okay? Can't tell your parents. All right, step one to to, to get into my account. Take your pants off. <laughs> no, uh, Randy Orton would never do that. I don't want to no. insinuate that. No, no, Randy Orton. Uh, he used to be a, a piece of shit, but he's... 
the only snake that's involved is the cobra biting his veins. He was. He was. <laughs> said was. Um. Okay. Um. So. Let's see if I can find uh, a recent stream from Insiders TV spot by Kotaku the Wrestling got so impatient with Elder Ring's hard going early hours that he decided to be better off just buying his way to a higher level. Um, According to Insiders host Mansoor Al-Shihali and Brennan Williams. uh, Okay, so they're they're former... uh, WD wrestlers, you know, Mansoor, the, the famous undefeated in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia wrestler. Yes. Um, Orton revealed his love of Elden Ring to them before an episode of either SmackDown or Raw. Uh, they couldn't quite recall which, but convinced, confessed he'd been running into some difficulties in the early stages. You know, it's fucking hard, Orton told the pair in uh, Al Holly's recollection. Uh, I paid a guy like a thousand bucks to give me like infinite runes so I could just level up to a hundred right away. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that bullshit, so I just paid a guy to get me a. So he he basically paid someone a thousand dollars to do something he could have done himself with Cheat Engine and like a fifteen minute YouTube YouTube tutorial. Oh, what a what a what, what a, a G soul. like what a flex that is though. You're like I could do this myself and it would take almost no time or effort. But here, let me just buy my way out of this. <laughs> Conspicuous spending. Yeah. Well, I hope he's enjoying his his time now yes. with the game. He's had a lot of time to play it because he's been out injured for like a year. <laughs> um, I guess to... Uh, nah, let's not talk about it here. I was going to talk about what? CM Punk's completing his horseshoe. Uh, yeah, that's that's more of a Saturn Slam topic if that ever comes back from the dead. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna bring up. Uh, so you know how we've been uh, laughing, we've been lolling at Mark Zuck's um, meta tech Mark. and how much money they've dumped into their like all their the metaverse. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I think people are uh, eating some of their words. Uh, after seeing it on the Lex Friedman podcast, they're finally um, versing how, their meta. Yeah, so because uh, we, we all saw the like chibi like we ch- we chat like not we chat uh, we avatar AI bottles that they had, and they were like were like is this the metaverse like this little like kind of guy walking around that is you just making custom like mm. character creation, mm-hmm. but. He showcased his incredibly realistic um, photo-generated AI or, like, skins that you can have in the metaverse. Uh, and they look phenomenal. Asterisk. Put a little fucking asterisk here. Uh, they did have to go get full body scans to do this. Um, it is not something you can just do in your home. I think I don't know if you have to pay for it, but you yes. do have to go to a place to get scanned into the metaverse. Get scanned you and donate your this. likeness today. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that went into this. So if you go up and look up the metaverse um, like facial scans that they did in the podcast, because he did a podcast with Lex Friedman where they were one he was one was in California, one was in like Austin, Texas, and they were like in the same room and he was shocked at how like I think it broke the uncanny valley effect 
where you know how the uncanny valley the closer you get to like mimicking real well the, though the behavior, uncanny gets... valley is that there's there's a valley in between uh like being super photorealistic and like being like super low poly where it just yeah. looks weird yeah so this got past it i think this got past it and this is like holy shit this is all digital this is but this is very human uh, to the point where you got to do a double check. Human. You could say it's like, more so, human than human. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if it's just worse with Mark Zuckerberg because he's his normal body is very robot. Yes, <laughs> so maybe it's just this is helping maybe. him out. I, but, uh, you know, I didn't cool. join too much in when people were clowning on the uh, the like more chibi graphic style of the metaverse. Because my thought was they are more for- focused on developing the functionality of the metaverse, and they'll, you know, add in graphics packs later. Um, and I guess they've reached the point where they're adding in the graphics packs. I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, if this like can become more accessible. That's what the only the biggest issue that they're probably yeah. trying to tackle right now is accessibility, because. One, you have to buy the VR headset. Maybe not too big of an issue if it's a couple hundred dollars. But the next step is how are you going to scan yourself in there? And Apple is already, you know, figuring this out with their headset, even though it's much more expensive. Oh, God, Apple has, They're, right, Apple has VR. I think you scan yourself with the headset. So I think that's the next step is trying to implement the scanning technology into the meta um, technology. Uh, but we will see. Maybe it is something where you have to go get scanned. Maybe your workforce, your workplace will have like a, a scanning room that they invest into and make these metaverse meeting rooms that you can all in in person meet online. So um, maybe not because Zoom is just fine where it is. But yeah, maybe maybe. Maybe people don't want that in the future. I I have I have no fucking clue yeah. Where that's the gonna go, I don't to be honest. I don't see the appeal of the metaverse to be honest. Um, but yeah. you know I've been wrong before, and through sheer force of will and uh, purchasing power, egomaniacs have made their passion project a thing that we all have to deal with. Uh, yeah. But you, you know we are we we may be just not the target audience for this oh entirely maybe possible. there is a niche audience where they're not social creatures they don't want to leave the house or they can't leave the house maybe there's you know disabilities or there's um they just live in a remote area and want that social aspect and this is the way they can get that um they can go to their comedy clubs in the metaverse and and be around realistic looking people in, you know in the future whenever this gets gets a lot better um, I it seems like it's a slippery slope to something dystopian. It seems like that's the the common theme for today. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I mean, this is where it's. I mean, this is where things are trending towards. Uh, whether or not that's good or bad, I think it kind of depends on the application and execution of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess we'll we'll see where that goes, and. Uh... You know, the future of AI is a good uh, transition point to our our feature here as we talk about the creator. Um, yeah. I will give the executive summary of my review with uh, these two words. Wasted potential. 
Um, it was um, funnier than I funnier than I thought it would. It be. got got more laughs out of me than I was expecting. Um, yeah, there were there was some weird there was some weird writing that like kind of didn't fit um, the like the overall like theme, but it yeah maybe that added levity was so good for people. This movie is written and directed by Gareth Edwards, whose previous claim to fame is Rogue One. And uh, after I've said that to you, if you didn't know that going in, um, a lot of stuff should start making sense to you because this is on a lot of levels the same movie as Rogue One. Um yeah. just in how it's structured and you know the major story beats and some of the, the visual acuity. I will I will give credit to Mr. Edwards. He is uh undeniably a talented director. He gets some pretty good performances out of a lot of the actors in this movie. Um except unfortunately well I mean <laughs> I I'm not convinced John David Washington's a particularly good actor. So I think this might just be kind of like the pinnacle of what you're going to get out of him. Um and you know he he's entertaining in the movie, but I'm not always certain it's in the way that it was originally I don't conceived. Even think this is his best performance. Like he, I think he was better in Tenet. Um like there are some parts here. He was where, asked to do less in Tenet, I think. Yeah, there's a lot here. Where, there's some scenes, um, and then maybe this is going too deep, too fast. But like, there's some scenes where he'll just be delivering dialogue, and he'll just stop. Like he'll wait for a pause in the dialogue, and like his face just kind of goes like dead. <laughs> yeah. He has the John Deadvid Washington face. Deadvid. <laughs> Where he just kind of he just stares at the camera, just like, yeah, like he's looking for the cue card to come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and he does. He, he so, shakes his head a lot. He does. He does this. The, uh, the, the so I I had heard some stuff about this before we saw it, and then I watched some reviews about it after the fact. Um, and my my quality wasn't all that good, but. I did learn that you could go on to slotslights.net <laughs> and get a free try to earn cryptocurrency and slot machines. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I had heard this movie was like uh, swinging a miss. Uh, I think before, so. Like, when, when, in early screenings. Uh, but then I... I like all the reviews that I saw, like I pulled up some um, some reviews off of YouTube and, and listened to them, and they were they had you know they they admitted you know, some of the some of this movie dragged a bit, but it, they they really resonated with them in terms of they did a lot of stuff with the with the with the budget, um, the performances out of like the out of Alfie was very good. They like yeah, the kid um, was John. Ironically, the best part of the movie, which is weird because usually they're the worst. <laughs> yeah, um, and then the the story and world building was like a big big hit for them. Um, I but there I there's one wanted thing that, to like the world building, but they didn't do enough of it. <laughs> see, and I, I maybe this is the reason because uh, some something that somebody said, which totally I totally agree with, um, was we've seen this movie before in. <laughs> 
A District 9? Elysium? Well, it, I wish it was going to be like a combo Rogue of District One. 9 and Elysium. That's that's what I thought by the trailer and why I was kind of but excited like, for the potential, but it, it fell short on both of those movies' ideas. But like that was the whole vibe for all this, and it was like it was like ah, you know, I feel like we've seen this before, and and I with a a movie that's touting itself as like it's an original sci-fi. Uh, it's definitely not original. <laughs> well, it's it's like IP is original. Like, well, it's not yeah, a, it's not basing it itself off of anything. It's 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 um, you know, it's it a is, new IP. It sure. is. It is somewhat novel in, in, in the universe of like taking AI and pushing that to its limits. The only problem is that it kind of falls into like the, oh, hey, we're just like robots and like robot human hybrids or something. And we've seen those movies before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it, it, I guess kind of like the background lore, which is like a small part of this movie, that I guess kind of was, was new. The, but. And- you know, to after that we've seen this. to the movie's credit, that is the most interesting part of the movie. The great shame is that they every like interesting philosophical question they could examine, they dance around in favor of creating a fairly basic sci-fi action movie with not a ton of action scenes, and the action scenes they have aren't great. Now that you mentioned that the budget was was smaller, it, it makes sense. And like I do, they got a lot out of the money. I'll I'll give it that. But the at the end of the day, this movie ends up feeling like a kind of soulless amalgam of movies that came before it, especially like in the in the beginning scenes, right? Where they're talking they're they're setting up the premise, right? And the the AI nukes Los Angeles. Where have I heard that before? Side <laughs> note. This movie decides to have two prologues. Which I was, which immediately like set off a flag in my head. I'm like, why do you have, why do you have two prologues? I know you got to establish the world and his personal history, but mm-hmm. why are you taking two separate segments to do that? Like this movie, and then later takes in the movie, like going. combining them <laughs> retroactively. What and it, it kind of it's it's kind of rough because it's that's that's like kind of the. Um, the crux of having new IPs is that you you feel tempted to kind of do a lot of that exposition up front. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about it later on. But I think if it was spread out throughout the movie in an, in a more organic way, you would get a a better reception from the audience and you wouldn't have to spend the first 10, 10 minutes or whatever in the movie kind of just doing a cell explainer using the the, the newsreels like it's just another version of like the plot of the movies put up on a a news headliner or news banner and it's and you're like there there's your exposition and it also uses that to give us like trying to do like a fallout-esque tonal whiplash uh but it's way too much yeah there's a lot of like whipping back and forth between like really serious scenes and then all of a sudden like and sometimes it's just a music choice that feels inappropriate given what we've just seen and you're just like whoa what the what the fuck um the major deficiency of this movie is Gareth Edwards is not a great writer and i think he he tried to be i think he wanted to create 
a a movie that was going to stand up with you know the the matrix and district 9 and terminator as far as like philosophical thinky sci-fi movie but he just didn't have the talent to write that kind of movie and i don't know if maybe like once the studio got involved and you know what his original cut of the movie looked like versus what the theatrical cut of the movie looks like you could give him the benefit of the doubt and say okay maybe the studio kind of butchered his vision but what was presented on the screen uh was a movie that in order for the climax to work really requires you to like see the arc of John David Washington's character going from a guy who's like, oh, you know, AI are just programming. They don't have feelings. You know, you shouldn't feel bad if you, you know, kill an AI. I I just turned it off just like the TV um, Mm -hmm. to, oh no, this is, this is my child. I love this as, as though it were my child. And I see the value of that. Like it just, that's like a switch that flips. They don't do a whole lot of showing a gradual progression uh, of his change in attitude, nor do they do a great job of showing, you know, the building of the emotional relationship between him and Alfie, which is I, what the final act of the movie is predicated on. Yeah, I would say this is, in a word, it, I would call this movie, in a lot of aspects, blunt. Um, yes. It's just a lot of on right in your face kind of things. Like mm. it's things like being the the weapon being called Alpha O. Gee, like, I wonder what the O is going to stand for. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's it, that was that was the one that just like it just blares you right in the face in terms of symbolism. But like the way the Americans are portrayed in this, this kind of ties us all together, right? Where the the lack of world building. Uh, with some of the uh, writing issues and some of the bluntness. This is supposed to be a war, like the, the nuke that blew up in Los Angeles was supposed to incite a war between the West and the East over the topic of AI. Now, in a war, usually as it's portrayed in the media, is has two sides fighting against each other. And the idea, I guess, is supposed to be that America was being pushed back. They're on the back foot because... New Asia has this AI that you know they have robots that give them the competitive that give them the tactical advantage, and Nomad is their only ace in the hole against this threat. Um, but we never see that. We never see humans, you know, America being on the back foot and being outgunned, outmanned by um, AI forces. Um, or even the AI them. forces like launching offenses against the Americans, right? Like and like. <laughs> That's, I mean, that in the story, that's the point, is that they really just fucked off. Um, and you're supposed to see through the lies, you know, that it's really not, it's really just America being an oppressor. But they also don't do a good job of instilling the idea that this is a, like, a thought, like, propaganda brainwashing over the American populace. That yeah. this is a war they're fighting. So it really just feels like, it just gives the impression of, uh, the uh, when the strike team lands in the little village and immediately goes full like uh, fifth tour in the Middle East like war crimes time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, let me. I'm just gonna execute everyone in this village. Hey, watch me shoot this dog unless you give me the secret code. Yeah, like they go full goblin mode right out the fucking gate, 
with these guys. Wow. And so like when the surprise comes that oh no, they're they're acting in in bad faith and they're they're the villains of the movie. It's really not a surprise number 1 and number 2, like I feel like the big reveal is when Kenwa and Abi's character uh, we're getting the spoilers here. Um says, "Oh, the the nuke that hit Los Angeles was was human error. It was a coding error, and we're just supposed to believe him at face value." For some reason, even though the uh, the general or the colonel lady told an equally like nasty story about AI, you know, killing one of her sons uh, in the beginning of the yeah. movie, like you know, why is that? Why is Ken Watanabe's story any more believable than hers? And like, I, I felt like they tried to play both sides are are bad. Uh, for like half the movie, and then just they they dropped any pretext that the AI was at fault for anything. Yeah. I feel like that big twist of the fact that like the the nuke was uh was human error instead of AI error, uh, or AI fault like human it was human fault not AI fault. Um, and that was kind of like the the impetus for all this. Um, you know, leaving that to like a one liner from a character, um, is less impactful than slowly realizing that from something more um dramatic yeah. evidence and, found and, and, and or i think from, yeah you know. and and I, I think that's what this would have highly benefited from that's an example of, of just the the writings being yeah substandard. bringing that twist out of nowhere it's it's a lot more you know it doesn't it doesn't really benefit from from uh from a lot of that um but uh yeah this is you know the interesting thing that i'm just thinking about now is yeah. that this is like an action movie is sci-fi doesn't really require um like you know how when you use like air force stuff and uh military footage yeah. um specific footage and equipment you have to get authorization from the US government and then military whatever branches you're using and they also like sponsor stuff and whatever um but a lot of it has to be approved. A lot of the movie has to be approved by the government. And mm. it's really hard to make an anti-US sentiment movie while using those that like um, help from the government, uh, from the military and all that. Uh, this did not use that because it's sci-fi, obviously. So they could just make up a, a gun and not have to yeah, worry about up- making a US Air Force uh, like helicarrier or something yeah. like that. You don't have to be full like current because it's all in the future so that's what i feel like that um maybe made it easier for them to make the u.s kind of the villains of this movie which we don't really see that often yeah i was kind of not in here um i I thought that especially from disney i mean (laughs) disney's like they're really going hard i'm like really you're doing a an anti-us imperial anti-us war this was under their 20th Um, century films right it's Walt Disney Studios is listed as yeah. the distributor. Okay. Yeah, Box Office Mojo says uh, says that. So our, I was like, Alfie's oh, our okay. next Disney princess. I guess so. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I think so. Which I want. I'll talk about the tech here quickly. Love looks great, beautiful. There's a couple goofy. There's a couple goofy usages, um, mostly revolving around explosives. Uh, first one is the grenade gun. Do we get to talk about our favorite character in the movie? We will talk about him shortly, but um, I want to first honorable mention to the grenade gun, which is used exclusively in a Looney Tunes-like fashion, where they <laughs> shoot the bomb, it attaches to their back, 
and then they turn around comically, and the bomb is right there about to explode. I'm like, oh my god, it's a bomb! And then we watch them go, oh no, and boom, right in front of us. And I'm like, this, I'm waiting for, like, it, it, all it was missing was the char-coded victim at the end going, yeah, and like the, the blanky <laughs> eyes. <laughs> and then falling into a pile of ash. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing that was missing from that. Um, so, and it was, both times it was employed in that movie. Yeah, they used that way. Um, uh, the tank came right out of um, Avatar. That was just... <laughs> yeah. It's just a big old cube tank. But no, we gotta, we gotta talk about... We gotta okay, b- here we talk go. About the, <laughs> the, the best um, character in the movie. <laughs> The uh, suicide bomber omatic. <laughs> Smart tech. I like Smart. it. So, that, yes. On its face, it's a robot that runs into, and it's heavily armored and it runs into an enemy installation and then explodes. Uh, fine. But then they decided, for whatever reason, the writers decided that it needed to have a voice and personality and, yeah. and manners. Which kind of defeats the whole, like, we've banned AI in the Western world, like, premise they, yeah. they introduced at the beginning there. But the reason why we love this character so much is because the way it fucking runs, <laughs> it's, its run cycle is so comic. And it's just running through this village, knocking people over like it's a fullback trying to dive for those last five yards into the end zone. <laughs> and then it just gets to the center. Its head clicks in and it explodes. It's fucking hilarious. And she turns it on and says, go, go blow up this yeah, village. He's like, it was an honor to serve with you, ma'am. You've this been is the first time you've been turned on (laughs) you're a single use device training with the human core (laughs) was that was that required was that programmed in was that coded in it it would have had to be it's a single use device (laughs) it services to run comically and blow itself up Just, what if these were like leftovers from the NFL? Like we, we did, <laughs> yeah. did an the NFL, Fox like, football, football robot like. has been, you know, decommissioned <laughs> yeah. and repurposed as an IED. Strap some C four to. No, I think it's I think it's a, a clever use of um of AI from the from the US because they like we don't we don't want it we don't need it this is all like leftover bullshit but we might as well utilize it to some capacity if we can make it safe like i mean yeah Uh, there's i like i from a practical standpoint sure but you made a big show like one of the few pieces of world building you did is that we've banned ai in the western world (laughs) yeah it it's super contradictory but maybe i think that might be the the the, maybe that's the point is that uh you You know know, i could see that if we can have it but you can't if there were um, any other like examples in the movie of writing on that level of sophistication yeah it, it you shouldn't leave it up to the audience to just like you know pull this pull this uh pull this apart yeah. and kind of digest it from that point of view when you've already stated a fact stated a rule you shouldn't be like oh maybe they're doing it for this like that you know include that or in at the least like somewhere. point out the hypocrisy you know there's just oh yeah there's like they they dance around every like philosophical and moral question. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. with this premise that you could have explored, and mm-hmm. you know had it been 
in the hands of a filmmaker like whoever I forget the guy who made District Nine or you know a Nolan or a Cameron or or whomever. Um, you know, it could have it could have been Neil something Blomkamp. a lot. Yeah, okay, yeah, it could have been something a lot better uh, than it was. At the end of the day, it's a mildly entertaining sci-fi action movie that you know doesn't have a lot to say about anything mm-hmm. and, and has kind of a goofy climax yes um there's also a... very predictably written every twist uh you see coming right from the beginning of the movie like it was mm-hmm. very obvious that alfie was gonna be like his child given yeah, given life as a robot a nomad and that was gonna be the climax because he's like oh what's nomad it's in heaven I'm like oh, okay i see how it is yeah um it... Yeah, this ending has some very contrived uh, elements to it. And we'll oh my briefly God, talk so about many. Here. Uh, the thing I t- first thing I take issue with was him trying to resurrect his dead mom uh, because he took her engrams. Yeah, he took her engram. <laughs> took a brain scan, which, man, wouldn't that have been useful anywhere else in this movie that you could take a brain scan and download it onto a backup like Altered Carbon? Man, it's almost like you could write a whole series about that. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Um, he has it, and he tries to upload it into one of the, the mom bots. <laughs> and it doesn't turn on. And he just kind of leaves it in a field. Well, well, the kid's doing this, right? Yeah, the kid leaves I, it in the... Is Alfie supposed to be a girl? A girl? I think a girl. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, did I, did I say he... You did, yeah. okay. but she. I I'm not sure. Uh, like it's it's a very androgynous. They do say she various it, times throughout the movie. It yeah it's it's a yeah but Alfie it's a young girl is a, plays is a guy name. Mm-hmm. Um, although it is funny, there are scenes when um his John David Washington's character is calling out, goes Alfie, and I just think of fucking the Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin, I also thought that too. I stifled a giggle the first time he did it. <laughs> um. But Alfie leaves uh, her mom in like a field, and then run and doesn't take the the backup. Doesn't take the backup. Just runs away, and as entirely so that we can have the last scene at the end, where uh, John David Washington finds his wife and runs up and embraces her. And I'm like, this is and very they, nice and emotional and all. Yeah. Uh, it's like the end of Cloverfield where they kiss as the nukes detonate and <laughs> fucking. Yeah. The sky literally falls. Yeah, so that was very, very contrived. I was like, nah. Another um, big contrivance is, so Alfie's power is that she can control electricity, I guess, or just power on and off answer. technology. And uh, it's demonstrated several times throughout this movie that she can sense when, like, robots are approaching because she several times says, they're coming for me, like, minutes before the police robots arrive. Yet... In the climax, when she's readying the escape pod and they get control of their their tentacle bot, she she's blissfully unaware that this device has powered up and is about to get her. And she waits forever to be like, oh, yeah, I can just use my power to disable this robot and proceed to get Joshua and myself onto this escape pod. Uh, But we can't have that because we need we need to get to the, the scene in the field. So they have to be separated, and he has to make a noble sacrifice. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just—it's like, very weak writing. I would have really thought, like, I would have thought they would have done an ending where 
Alfie realizes that she can't. Con- she has to be in Nomad to control it. When she yeah, I thought they were going to sacrifice the child because right. you know that's or the Jesus analogy. It, but like, this is her place now. She has a safe home, and she can watch over all of humanity and robotanity. Um, well, the reason I thought the sacrifice was coming because they they really are heavy handed with the Jesus allegory. You know, the Alpha and the Omega. You know, the the savior of the robot people, our savior is coming. They really aren't subtle with it. So I figured the whole dying for our sins thing was going to be part of her future. But they did throw a slight curveball there. Yeah. Even, uh, um, even the, let me see. The, there was like, a, there was like a, a movie poster that had Alfie looking in some direction and Nomad uh, was above her head and almost looked like a halo above her head. <laughs> And I was like, that was done fucking on purpose, right? It had to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, you know, you throw in the classic robot Buddhist and all that. But yeah, yeah. So um, the ending of the movie. Oh, yes. The did, classic robot Buddhist. <laughs> Well-worn mean, they, trope. Well, <laughs> They've done it in, they do it in Cyberpunk. They do it in uh, Overwatch. They've. You know, they do it here. I, it's, it's a trope I've seen before where they're like, oh, it's a Buddhist, but they're a robot or a cyborg. Um, so the movie ends with the facility exploding. The continent size, like the fucking like mountain range size pieces of this orbital installation. <laughs> how, side note, how big is Nomad? I don't know. Because it's is it, it in the upper atmosphere or is it low enough where you can see it from the ground? It seems uh, like it's, it's in the low classic orbit. Snyder moon problem. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like there's you can't you can't see the moon you can't see that from here, or J.J. Right, J. Abrams the J.J. J. Abrams celestial body problem where it's like you can't see planets like that from here without them being like right there. Um, Enough so for the gravity. Mountain range size pieces fall to the ground. Um, the bombs, which apparently have no self guidance, fall uselessly after. He Alfie turns off the system and Alfie escapes in the escape pod and comes back down, opens up, gives a kind of a face to the camera and then this credits. She just smiles. Yeah. Like she, she's happy. Like she's immediately gotten over the death of her, her father figure. This, this deserved an epilogue. Like they needed an ep. It, you have a, two prologues. You have everything separated with intercard titles with intertitles to give this an episodic mm-hmm. feel. Put an epilogue on this thing. Um, yeah. Like, I get the choice. Like, you, it's there. That's the moment. That's the only thing that mattered was he's, she's back home, and she she survived. But, like, there's got to be... You got to keep going with this a little bit. Um, so the movie just ends like that. And I was left a little unfulfilled. I was, yeah, less than impressed. Um, Gareth Edwards, I think you are a very talented director. I think you and your director of photography should get a lot more work, but I would let someone else write your movies. Yeah. Um, and now knowing now knowing that this is also Disney, I was like, when I was we were leaving the theater, I did not know this was Disney. I was like, uh, man, they could make a, this is, feels like it would be ripe for a series or like serialization, but Gareth Edwards doesn't really like to write sequels and, i don't know that he has ever yeah so i don't know how likely that is but now that this is under walt disney production 
There's... Oh, I guess he. I didn't realize he had directed the uh, twenty fourteen Godzilla as well. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, like There's I could a... see this being. I could see more stories taking place in this world. Unfortunately, you destroyed one of the most iconic pieces of your IP in the yeah. one movie that you did. Well, have a have a. I think this would be cool to get a to get a sequel. I I want more out of this universe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, it's like and, there's and a lot of potential here. Yeah, and more developed and fleshed out writing. I, you know, even if it's not him directing it, um, or writing it, take the IP, put it on Disney Plus, do like a spinoff show, or, you know, maybe they could sell it to Apple. Apple's doing some really good uh stuff with shows right now, and original like um. Uh, Original IPs um, do it. I did, I enjoyed Shrinking. That's an Apple TV uh, exclusive. I yeah. think Harrison Ford was hilarious in that. Um, I haven't watched Severance yet, but I've heard good things about it. I didn't finish it. Um, Silo was good. I, I really like Silo. That was on Apple TV as well. Um, but yeah, this uh, this is it. It wanted. It's weird. It kind of left me wanting more. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just the storyline. I don't we think followed. it's weird at all in that sense that it gave you that yeah. that impression. Well, well, it's weird because you would think that a movie that didn't really like do great, like it it wasn't the best writing. It wasn't um, the premise was good. I think that's the thing that wants yeah. makes me want I, more. That, and that's I, I don't want... think that's super uncommon. Like a lot of the most talked about movies, right, aren't necessarily well. You have the greats, right? But I think another like genre of movie uh, that really gets talked about are movies that a never got made, but got pretty far along into development, or b came out, but you know, were full of untapped potential. And this movie squarely falls into that category of having a lot of untapped potential. And so, like, in a way, I want more. I don't know that I, like, necessarily want a sequel. I Maybe a prequel would be cool. Um, yeah. But I, I do want to see this universe handled and steered by a more deft hand because I think there's, again, a lot of really... Uh, not only interesting, but now timely and relevant philosophical questions you could examine with something like this and have been examined. Like, it's it's hard because it's it's tough to be original in a space that has been so well-trodden. Like, there's a million different movies I could list off that are in some way or form about AI and the dangers of it and, you know, you know, what what who decides what's human when the machines can feel you know we've we've watched a lot of them the matrix ghost in the shell terminator all that shit yep. so it's tough to break new ground here but i feel like you can kind of do you can draw in elements from different things and kind of blend them in a way that makes it feel more novel um and i think that that's kind of what I wanted out of this movie. Like, like we compared it to district nine meets Elysium. That's what I wanted out of this movie, but it was not that. Yeah. I think that's the, that's really the, all of it there. Yeah. That's the, the capstone to it. So, um, I would say when it comes out on Disney plus, 
if you've got an hour or two, oh, it's two hours and 13 minutes. I thought it was yeah. shorter than that. Um, <laughs> no, if you got, it's, yeah, it's very long. If you, if you got some time, there's definitely some parts you can fast forward for too. Uh, so if you got some time and you were curious, I'd say check it out when it comes out on Disney Plus, which will probably be soon because it's not making a ton of money in theaters. Um, but I don't think you need to go out and see this in in the theaters necessarily. It would have been cool to see in IMAX because once again, like when you watched the trailer, it was kind of cut together. If you squinted hard enough, you'd think it was a Chris Nolan movie, and it th- that is the strong suit of this movie is its cinematography. There are some legitimately beautiful scenes and shots in this movie, um, and the fact that they made it on eighty million dollar budget makes that all more impressive. Um, yeah. So it there's there's merit to it in that regard, but the the story kind of falls flat. Um, so save your money, watch it on watch it at home, um, and I think uh, that about sums it up, right? Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Sound Studs podcast. We'll be back next week with uh, well, Jake's pushing hard for Trump versus the Illuminati. Um, yeah. If you get, it's fine if you have a better. Uh, well, I I watched a, a video uh, from Bad Movie Bible about like the greatest uh, ego exploitation movies, and they they mentioned a William Shatner movie from like two thousand two, mm. like Groom Lake or something like that. Groom Lake, yep. And uh, it, it has looks... him. He pulls off a spacesuit, and it's him in like a like a head covering. With a robot costume on, <laughs> looking look 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 like a simulant from uh, oh my god from the creator, and he like gives a very like pseudo philosophical monologue, and I I just I need to see William Shatner like realize his full creative vision in something because those those Star Trek movies he directed were fucking weird, but this is something that he created from the ground up, so that's that's something if I can find it would seem good, um you know I'll. I could be talked into Trump versus the Illuminati. I just think that's going to be kind of disappointing at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can screen it. Maybe I'll screen it and see if it's worth. Yeah. Uh, worth doing. Or watch watch a watch a review maybe. And, uh, yeah. Yep. Because I don't I don't want to waste an hour and a half either. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the pilk you you've shown. Did we determine if pilk was real or not? So. The the reason why I sent this was because if you look in the background, you'll see the other pilks yeah. in a row. It's seemingly real. Um, do not know. I. Yeah. The market will regulate itself. Man, Fifty you know? percent more salt than regular milk doesn't seem like something that they would sell it. <laughs> High quality thirteen gram pickles per serving. I, Let me. Um, I don't know. I'm a little, little unconvinced, but uh, we'll we'll hash that I, out. We'll, next week we will have the definitive answer if Pilk is real or not. Yes. Um, but for now, until such a time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye bye. <laughs>